Off to Lynchburg by way of Danville, Virginia. Richie McKay, we're coming. Think Karma's gonna stop barking when we leave? You love dogs. Love dogs. Always have loved dogs. Always have loved dogs. I just got a dog in November. I slept about two hours last night because the dog wouldn't shut up. <laughs> you know what's funny? Karma got up in the middle of the night and had to uh, take... Normally she's pretty good when she when she comes up, but she had to go and do her business, and Sam was late getting up, so we had to, we had a late night uh, cleaning session, and then she got up again like an hour later. I'm unclear what happened with Bella. We went on our normal... 10 30 11 p.m sort of walk so that she's good to go through the night and it's garbage day where i live and all the garbage cans are out and we did our normal walk but she was very very engaged by the smell in one particular garbage can and she was kind of so excited about it she couldn't really be encouraged to do anything other than hang out by this garbage can and then I went to bed after watching Nevada and Fresno State after watching Maryland and Purdue after watching West Virginia lose and about four in the morning it is bark 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 and sneeze 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 and it's the blue moon oh man and yeah not the, the, not the beer the red moon blue moon that was a bright moon last night. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. One of those things that nature can provide that you, you can't man-make. But, I mean, the dog. This dog is awesome. We got a seven-year-old dog, and she is mellow, and she is relaxed. She sleeps, and she cuddles. But I could have used some more sleep last <laughs> night. Well, you don't sleep much during this time of the year anyway. So then you throw that in and it's like, exactly. oh, yeah, thanks, Bella. I mean, I've got it all timed out so that I'm good to go and I'm very efficient with my time and the things I need to do. And I just did not bargain for that. Did you do the doggy bowl last night? Did you put like a Patriots and an Eagles bowl <laughs> to fill up the food to see which one she ate more of to determine who Bella thinks is going to win? We didn't do that. We could have done that. I'm trying to think who she would have liked. Nicole's a Vikings fan, so, so she's her best for friend, the her best friend, Nicole's best friend, or Bella's best friend is Nicole. They're they're besties, so I'm a close second. Yes, you <laughs> you and Bella do get along, which is unusual because she doesn't like other people or animals. Which um, is a perfect dog for you. <laughs> which is perfect because I also don't like other people or animals. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know who Nicole's cheering for because in one sense, I think she's probably, like the rest of the world, tired of the Patriots, but she's never liked the attitude of Philly fans and right. kind of... Well, and they didn't give the Vikings fans a good reception. No, I heard something hilarious. Obviously, I don't think this is going to be true because the people of Minneapolis and Minnesota are just so kind and generous and friendly, but someone was suggesting that all of the Uber drivers were going to take Philly fans to the wrong places because they were so angry. I set up my GPS. Why are we in Duluth? <laughs> this, this doesn't seem like the right way to go.
got a buddy that thinks this is going to be the last cold weather Super Bowl just because for all of the people that come, it's not New Orleans, it's not Atlanta. I mean, it's going to be in Los Angeles soon. They'll be in Vegas at some point. Like, the stadium is beautiful, and I think there's definitely an argument for if you publicly finance a new stadium on the back end, you are getting a Super Bowl. But at the same time, you know, the people that went to the Super Bowl in Jacksonville or the people that went to the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, they are not enjoying themselves like the people going to New Orleans. Well, you know, earlier in my career, I covered, uh, I think, four or five Super Bowls. Uh, once was with the Sports Babe and three times with FNZ. And then one time the, when the Patriots played the Panthers, I, I was right. out there. So Houston was fine, although it was a little chilly, but Houston was fine. Houston's hard to get around. Well, it's probably easier now with Uber. It it definitely is. My ideal city is the one where you can stay in one place and never get in a car. You can walk to the bars. You can walk to the restaurants. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect, perfect setup. New Orleans is like that. New Orleans is like that. Although I've been to New Orleans for conventions. I haven't been there for the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I started out, this this is a murderer's row of Super Bowls. Started out San Diego. Perfect. Miami. Yep. Tampa Bay. And then what you're just talking about, Atlanta. Now, Atlanta doesn't normally seem like that'd be the, the cold weather one. But remember, yep. the 2000 Super Bowl, that's when they had the, the, the huge ice storm. Yep. And it was miserable. And, you know, Atlanta's a little bit spread out, too. And we were, now, back in those days, and that's probably still the same, although I think it's a little bit better because FNZ, where I worked, was, I think you get, not points, but... You kind of get credit when you do it year after year, so then you, they start moving you closer. Right, right. But what, the first couple of years we were doing it at WFNZ, we were staying. Well, San Diego, I was with the sports babe, so we were. I stayed right downtown. Yeah, but, she had a good spot, nationally uh, syndicated. Although, although actually, we were in. The rest of the staff were in like a, an adjunct hotel, which was I wouldn't call it a flea bag hotel, but it wasn't <laughs> like a like a main chain. My uh, buddy uh, Damon Amendolara at the Super Bowl in San Francisco stayed at an Airbnb where people were like shooting heroin on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Did you help him pick that Airbnb? Well, absolutely. Yeah. I I thought it would fit him very well. (laughs) But you like to give people the the local experience, right? Right. If you stay to Marriott, it's always going to be exactly the same. Like maybe you need that hate street sort of feel. But what's interesting about the Super Bowl when you're covering a Super Bowl is... You know, obviously, it's like a convention for sports writers and sports broadcasters. I mean, you get to see old friends. You make new friends. You know, I thought it was interesting, the story from yesterday, Radio Row, when you had those two uh, in-market uh, competitors. Guys from Houston. Two guys from Houston, like, had a screaming match. Oh, now, it was brutal. Now, normally, in the old days, the fights would be, uh, you'd, you'd probably be more upset about uh, someone stealing a guest. You know? Yeah, exactly. Or be like same station crime. Like they'd be mad at. Uh, I'm not sure the, what they were arguing about. I don't either. But it was viral. I mean, that thing was. I mean, you couldn't not see that thing yesterday. It appeared that they just didn't like each other. But I'm not sure what the point was. But Radio Row is such a freak show. I mean, so you have that side show this year. But you know, in past years, I mean, we would have like. You know, Miss America, and then you'd have like Hall of Famers walking down, and then and then just like random D-list celebrities just trying to get attention. Yep. And you know, the, the hustle there was trying to just get the guests first. You know, the 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 trick now, and what what a lot of the stations are doing, 
uh, is trying to pre-book as much of the Super Bowl Radio Row Week as possible. And by doing that, you give yourself, you know, a plan, and then you can always, you know, move things around and you guarantee yourselves the better guests. In fact, that's what they're doing now. Some of the bigger time celebrities that are going through, some of that stuff is already preordained. Yeah. And some of it's you're, you're kind of arranging. If you were there. producing a radio show, would you want to go to Radio Row? It's obviously an expense, and you're getting out of it like Ron Jaworski trying to hawk some product. But I always liked going, and I know it's a, it is, it's kind of a cluster. Let's be honest. Oh, it's, it's a cluster. And it's not necessarily the best radio wire to wire. Like for a four hour show, it's not the best four hours of radio you're going to do for multiple reasons. One is you're on the road. And that's always when you take yourself out of the studio. Hey, hey, we're on the road. <laughs> no, no, but we're, but this is our studio. This is our studio. So that's different. This is different. Um, but when you look at trying to book guests, sometimes you just get access to people that you normally might right. not normally have. And getting their takes on it and you know now it's become more it's more of a place to be seen so you, I think you're getting better celebrities than you might have gotten in the past yeah and getting their takes and you know now players are starting to become more regulars you know that brings up an interesting question bearded cart guest guests no guests we had Darren Gant we had Jeff Schwartz and we have us talking in the car what do you prefer send us an email beardedcartcast at outlook.com what is your preferred way we go about this? How would we improve the listener experience? Do we like guests or not? I like the guests. Yeah, I like having guests. I mean, the two guests we had were very good, very knowledgeable uh, and fun. But that's the kind of thing that you might not normally get. Like, I don't know if Darren goes through a radio row, but Schwartz probably will. Sure. You know, and so, now Schwartz is not that difficult to get, but just from a timing standpoint, it might be easier to, to get him on. I always liked the bigness of it. You know, from a Charlotte perspective, it was like people listening like, wow, they're at the Super Bowl. So it, it kind of gave you, I don't know if legitimacy was the right word, but remember back then, WFNZ was still trying to find its way. So I think when you establish that, and don't forget, I've always felt the best way of doing radio is to try and put people in a situation where they feel like they're there. Where they, where they, so for like for the car cast, we hope that people feel like when they're listening that they're sitting in the back seat with us. And I think sometimes when you when you do big events like that, you're bringing people in with you, because they, you know, if you're sitting in your office in Uptown Charlotte, you're not going to have a chance to talk to Stormy Daniels or, you know, whatever crazy celebrity. I don't think she's going through radio, <laughs> but um, but that wouldn't surprise me. You know, it's funny. The first Super Bowl I did, I was with the Sports Babe, and my job was to find us a spot to secure the site where we were going to do the show from. And we, I think the year before she had done it from the, the hotel headquarters, the NFL hotel headquarters, which where everybody was kind of based out of. So right. I went out, did a site visit and a meeting with these people in San Diego. And I'd done a couple of these. We'd, we'd already in the past had done like the NBA finals and the NHA, NHL, the NCAA tournament. So I, I kind of knew what we were, what I was looking for and what we were trying to do. So I get to the hotel, you know, it was the Marriott in San Diego, this huge Marriott big headquarters and I was I was a little I was young I mean I was probably a little naive I was walking in there like hey yeah so you know, with ABC radio ESPN radio sports babe show so you know we're in this lobby can we you know do the show from 
and the, the, the guy that I was talking to, I think he was like the VP of marketing. He's like, yeah, um, no, not here. <laughs> like we have, we have some great spots on the hotel grounds that you can do it from, but you know, the lobby is not that big or what, there was already stuff committed. Like we just can't do that. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm gonna have to go back and you know, so I call back. I'm like, yeah, so uh, the good news is we got some space. It's just not right here in the lobby. Of course I got chewed out. Yeah. So I continue negotiating with these guys and you know, we, we kind of finally come to this uh, a hallway that's right, it's like literally right around the corner from the check-in area and it's leading downstairs to like a lounge restaurant type of place. So, so there's traffic. So there was not as much traffic as being in the lobby. So, and I'm fearful because I'm like, you know, there's, there's, like there was no other option. It was either that or go somewhere off-site, and off-site wasn't an option. So we go back to New York, and I report to the bosses. I'm like, so this is what this is the best we can do, and they and they, they were the, the management was fine with it, and the validation was, and this really pissed her off. But the validation was when I got back to New York because our uh, head of ABC News Radio was also in charge of ESPN Radio, kind of a loose like dotted line type report. And he said, "Oh yeah, um, the guys from ESPN were there right after you. They're gonna they're gonna set up in that same hallway right ah, next to you." There you go. I think it's always good to ask if there's a 99% chance that they're gonna say no. There's a 1% chance they're gonna say yes. So you might as well always ask and see what you can get away with. But the great thing was like, th- th- and that's a great strategy. But I didn't go into it thinking that wasn't an option. Right, exactly. But like, that's oh, a good attitude. Yeah, yeah. Believe that everything's going to be yours. I mean, when I had a friend call the Frozen Four in Washington, D.C., I don't know, like six, seven years ago, he sent a request to the White House and said he'd like to interview Barack Obama there. I mean, it yeah. did, didn't happen, but shoot for the stars. Actually, that's one of my best, from my early days of producing, one of the best gets I got early on in my career. We were talking, I was filling in on like a, the four, three to seven afternoon show. It was the uh, uh, Ted O'Brien. Just, I'm Ted O'Brien on the Ted O'Brien program. Like, <laughs> huge so I'm filling in producing the Ted O'Brien show. And we're talking about some, this was like a political, somewhat serious, like more, probably more towards NPR than what today's talk radio is. I mean, this was like 1992. Right. I mean, it's before Rush Limbaugh hit it big. Right. So it was it was really more issue-oriented, and, and you really wanted to try and, like, represent both sides, and you tried to get guests that would kind of represent the issues. So we talked, and I don't remember the actual public health issue that we were talking about, but I got the idea in my head. I think it had something to do with smoking. And I said, man, we should talk to the Surgeon General. Wow. So I, I, I got, you know, they had, the, you know, the book, big government books back then where you had all these, like, different numbers. So I got the PR department for the... Surgeon General's office, and I call. Say, hey, calling from Boston, WRK, WHDH. We have this uh, program on. We're doing this public health issue today, and this is what we're talking about. And love to get the Surgeon General on. Thinking, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Let me call you back in ten minutes. Yeah. So I get a call back in ten minutes. I said, Yeah, uh, is four o'clock good? I said, Yeah, four o'clock's great. <laughs> that that's like when so, I no no. So let me finish the story. Yeah yeah. So you know, we, so we hit the top of the hour. Four o'clock comes on. Ted O'Brien opens the show. And, uh, you know, we'll now go to uh, Washington, D.C. We'll bring in the Surgeon General of the United States. Program director comes flying in and goes, how did you do that? (laughs) I have my ways. Yeah. You just tried. It's all effort. That That was just pure luck. I mean, I think it was just one of those deals where it it, it was something that the administration obviously cared a lot about. Boston's a big enough market. Yeah. Uh, You know. When I was a student at Syracuse, 
one day we were hanging out at the radio station like we did, all of us kind of working on our own individual stuff, and the phone rings. And this is really, really common because everyone's working on a different feature. You're wor- and you're, you're waiting for the phone to ring so you can connect with, you know, the beat reporter from the Hartford yeah. Current to get a scouting report on UConn or, you know, it's Syracuse and Cornell and lacrosse and you're going to catch up with the assistant lacrosse coach. One day we sit there and the phone rings and I go, WAER Sports, this is Dave. And on the other line, they go, is uh, is Brian there? And I say, um, I think he just stepped out for a minute. Can I take a message? And he goes, uh, this is so-and-so in Jesse Jackson's office. The Reverend is ready to talk to Brian. Like, are you serious? Wow. I mean, but it's all effort. Right. If you try, you may get those people. I once talked to John Thompson on the phone and made the mistake at 20 years old of using the expression after three or four or five questions. Okay, one more question, coach, and asked him a question and wanted to ask him a follow-up. <laughs> and he said, I thought that was the last question. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I do that all the time. So we can talk about Radio Row. Yep. But your team's in the big game. They're in the game. Yes, they are. So can you watch the game with other people? Can you watch the game thoughtfully? Or are you just such a fan that the referees are against you and the NFL is against you? And if the Patriots lose, it's a conspiracy theory. I'm not quite that bad, but I guess I'm bad in other areas. So... For the first Super Bowl, when they played the Rams, we were at my buddy Arun's house in Charlotte. He had a townhouse, and it was like a three-level townhouse, and he had the, the downstairs was a, like a TV, you know, basically a TV, you know, private theater, kind of watch the game type of thing. Not private theater, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Place nice setup. Watch, nice setup, right? So, you know, the Patriots were winning at halftime, and he had a bunch of friends that I didn't know, and we had our friends who kind of were, were merging groups together. And so I go upstairs to get something to drink at halftime, and I come back down, and I'm making everybody sit back the way they were. <laughs> superstition. So I had a little, that, in that game I had a little bit of a, a superstition. But when you watch the game among, how many people were there? Oh, we probably had 15, 20. Can you watch the game, or everyone else is bullshitting? Can you, can you actually, like, watch the game and think about the game? I don't, now I... As they become more popular and they win more Super Bowls, it's it's harder to, to watch it with other people just because you you get the people that don't really care about the Super Bowl. They well, just of don't. Course. They just don't like the Patriots. So then they just start talking out of their rear ends because they don't know what they're talking about and they're just trying to like egg you on. And talk oh, a Boston fan that thinks no one other than Boston fans know what they're talking about. This continue, continue. <laughs> Tell us it's more. It's true. It is. It's proven to be true. Right. People from New York, they're idiots. People from the Midwest, morons. Out West. Out West, they don't just give it. They don't just <laughs> like they, they, They're just out riding the bike on a right. Sunday afternoon, right? Like Bill Waltz. No, I don't mind educated fans and I don't mind people that that have a point, but it's the people that are just trying to be idiots that I don't like. So who will you watch the game with on Sunday? So, well, you've been invited. I, I've been invited, but yeah. we both know that that's not happening. I know, I didn't think Because you were... I like watching games 
alone or with a very small number of people who are really paying attention to the minutia of the game. But this is why I like watching it at my house. So, uh, and you've been to the house. So I we, love a home game. So we have people downstairs and generally we have a couple of our friends that have kids. So we let the kids kind of play and hang out downstairs. And then, I don't know, at some point during the game, a couple of guys and I will go up to my office and just kind of block everybody else. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Now, the best story, though, was um, th- I think it was the first Giants game, the David Tyree catch. and I'm e- familiar with him. Eli Man- Syracuse legend David Tyree. And Eli Manning was in the grasp, and they didn't call it. They would have <laughs> oh, a conspiracy yeah, theory? Well, well, no, I just, it just happened. Right, It right. is what it is. Uh-huh. I mean, you know. You are who the, your record says you are. Right. So uh, I was watching at a friend's house and then uh, in the neighborhood. And then it looked like it was going to go south. And then I came home. Everything was fine. So then the next time that the two teams are together, we decided to watch the game in our house. And, of course, same thing happens. They, they, you know, they, they have that crazy catch down the sideline, right, the Manningham catch? Right. Conspiracy. So here it goes again. And I was literally so upset, and I wasn't like verbally uh, yelling at my wife. And the reason why <laughs> I say that is, oh, she's sort of a giant. She's fan. a giant. No, she's not sort of a Giants fan. She is a giant. Well, fan. the last time I talked to her, she seemed to be a Panthers fan. Well, she likes the Panthers, but the Giants are her team. Yeah, okay. She's like every other transplant in Charlotte. She has two teams. Oh, I was thinking about acquiring four or five. Yeah. I've got a buddy, you know him, Matt Williamson. Yeah. Dude cheers for about four teams in every sport. <laughs> His team's in the World Series every year because he cheers for the Rockies because he lives in Colorado. Yeah. And the Cubs for I have no re- I have no idea why. And the Yankees. Yeah. And I'm sure he's got a couple of others. Like if you cheer for that many teams, inevitably your team is gonna be playing for something. But I was so upset at that loss that Sam was afraid to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh about it now. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't going to do it. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, and I wasn't mad at her, but she was just like, she was just afraid that if she, like, overly celebrated or taunted me, which she can do, <laughs> that uh, for the sake of the marriage, she decided not to do anything. Is she a fan in the way that we, we think of the word F-A-N, a, you know, blame it on the officials, oh. or or does she watch the game Have analytically? Have you ever seen her in a Winthrop game? Well, I'm she's usually like, working at a winter. Well, she's game. like, she. Let me put it this way: she probably should sit next to Mike Kelsey. <laughs> sometimes Pat's dad will let the officials know what his feelings are. And by sometimes, Sam does the same thing. You mean 28 times a game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there was one women's game that she came to, and it was on the road, and I think it was Gardner Webb. And there was, you know, women's games don't tend to draw that many people. There's probably I don't know 100 people, 150, 200 people in the stands, right? And, you know, there were some calls. That, 50-50 calls could have gone either way. And I can hear her yelling at <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like there's some Lynn Marshall stories along the same lines. Oh, no doubt. Well, there are. <laughs> there's some public ones. I think Pat Forty's uh, yeah. avatar, yeah. I don't know if it still is, but for, for a while it may have spoken to that. Yeah, Mrs. Marshall, Greg Marshall's wife. <laughs> but how confident are you? This one, this one's troubling. This one, this one worries me. Um, I think the Eagles, they can rush with four, four linemen. They don't need to. I mean, they can blitz, but they don't need to blitz to get pressure. And I think when you've seen Tom Brady get in trouble, it's when teams that have four rushers, you don't need to bring that extra guy, and they and they can get in quick. 
Now he likes to throw the ball and release the ball quickly, but if you if you make a habit of hitting Brady, those are his most uncomfortable games. I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, when people think the Eagles are going to win or cover, the argument has to do typically with, like you said, personnel groupings and X's and O's. When people think the Patriots are going to win or cover, then then people say, well, Belichick and Brady. Like, doesn't one of those arguments seem much more specific and thoughtful than the other? But it's it's the old, it's the old. Do you see what's in front of you, or do you take in the whole history of things, right? Because that that's basically the argument. You'll, most people try to look at this analytically from X's and O's to this year, but when you look at the tradition that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have established, how how can you bet against them? You can bet against them because you think the AFC stunk all year. We thought there were two good teams. In fact, there was probably one good team. And you can think that the Eagles have better players. I mean, the NFC had, I don't know, five of the top six teams or four of the top six teams or eight of the top 11 teams in the league. They're just more battle-tested. I think this whole thing comes down to, and this is really like unthoughtful and kind of just obvious too. If you tell me what sort of game Nick Foles is going to have, I could care less what game Brady is going to have. If you tell me that Nick Foles is not going to turn the ball over, I think the Eagles will win the game. If Nick Foles goes and makes negative plays, then of course the Patriots are going to win the game. But if Nick... That's their forte is putting teams in situations where they turn the ball over... Patriots have been one of the better teams at doing that this year. And you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare for a No team. question. No I like, question. I like his chances, even if he's facing a far superior team. Right, and, and I don't think they are far superior. I, I think They're they good. are a little bit more battle-tested, yeah. and I think they are probably stronger in more areas, though the Patriots are probably stronger in more important areas, namely the quarterback position and particularly at tight end, even though uh, uh, Philadelphia is very good at tight end too, but not not Rob Gronkowski good. Right. But I, I just, my gut tells me the NFC was the better conference all year and they came out, the Eagles, of that superior conference. I think the playoffs have shown us the NFC had more good teams, whereas the Patriots, I mean, they beat a, a, a bad team followed by a pretty good, not quite ready team, a team right. with Blake Bortles. I mean... They didn't really face battle-tested. Right, but now, now that being said, Nick Foles is, you know, what we talked about this on the car cast several weeks ago. I said that Case Keenum was not good enough right. to win the Super Bowl. And if I didn't say it, I certainly thought this guy isn't either. Nick Foles isn't good enough to win the Super Bowl. So I buy the Brady Belichick thing, but I don't buy the Patriots. What really would concern me, though, even though they're the, they're the comeback kings, you can only go to that well so many times. You know, and they, I mean, they had to come from behind to beat Jacksonville. Right. Uh, you know, obviously they did what they did in the Super Bowl last year, and they did what they did two years ago against Seattle. But, I mean, 
It's just not realistic to think they can keep doing that, right? I, I mean, when you have... But, but when you have Tom Brady, anything's exa- possible. Right, right, exactly. And, and like, people talk a great deal about Belichick. I've read two different books about Kim. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But that being said... I don't know that Doug Peterson, and it's totally bandwagon jumping to like Doug Peterson now, but I, I, I like Doug Peterson from the start because right. I like Andy Reid. Right, and he's an and, Andy Reid disciple. Right, but he's not like was on Andy Reid's staff for a year. He played for him. Right. He coached under him in two different locations. He was went all the way from player to you know kind of bottom-level assistant coach all the way up to coordinator. And, he's, and Brett Favre credited him as being when he was his backup is kind of helping him right. when they were going through their run. And he's better time management than Reed. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's like Bill Belichick versus a guy you don't like. Right. I, it's a guy I like. It, he, he's not one of the five greatest coaches of all time. And Bill Belichick is certainly that. Bill Belichick might be the greatest coach of all right. time. But, but the I, Belichick effect forces teams to maybe overthink things. And Pete Carroll was susceptible to that. Where? Two years ago, they should have run the ball. No, they shouldn't have. Yes, they should have. Absolutely not. Yes, they should From have. a time management perspective, the only way you could maximize the number of chances you had at the goal line was to throw the ball. That absolutely was the right decision. The play itself, maybe not. The throw itself, maybe not. But in terms of you want to have as many cracks getting the ball into the end zone as possible, mathematically, they made the right decision. They should have run the ball. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe it would have worked out. I mean, they, they had one of the best running backs in the league. They had a good offensive line. I mean, you don't know the road not taken. Right. I mean, maybe I should have gone to uh, George Washington instead of Syracuse. Maybe uh, I should have stayed in Hickory for another year. Maybe this, maybe that. You, you don't know about the road not taken. And the road not taken may have won Seattle the Super Bowl, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. No. So it seems like a good road to take in retrospect. But in the heat of the moment, that's the right play. We see guys all the time screw up when to go for two or when the onside kick, all of those sort of like end of the game sort of things are frequently mismanaged. Analytics, I'm more numbers than I am feel that that, that's the right play. And I believe analytics has its place, but I also think feel has a place, too. Yeah. How many points does it take to win this game? You know what? And again, going by history, I mean, it's going to be probably three, five, three to five point game. And it's probably going to be somewhere between, I'd say, between, I don't know, I'd say like 32-27 type of game. So you think it takes thirty to win? I don't just the way, because the, the, the think of the tempo the Patriots like to play at. If they're scoring touchdowns, yes. And then is Nick Foles? That's the thing. If the Patriots are able to dictate the tempo on offense, right? But you're the exact same person that said you think the Eagles can get there with four. If the Eagles, no, can, no, I said that. But yeah, they can, but they have to do it. Right, but if the Eagles can get there with four... No, I, I gave you, that's what they have to do to beat Brady. Right. If they don't do that, and if Tom has time, if Brady has time and can slice them apart, it's gonna, that, that well, will be... Well, obviously. If, if Brady has time, the Patriots are going to win. 
Um, I, I I don't think it takes thirty. I don't think it takes. You think 30. it's more like a twenty-four, twenty-one game? Yeah. Yeah. And so if Nick Foles throws one touchdown, they run for one touchdown. That's fourteen. They kick three field goals. Twenty-three. Is that enough? And maybe not. Does Foles need to throw for two touchdowns to win the game? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with special teams right, and short right, fields, right. turnovers, I mean, stuff like that. Be, there is that element of the, the unknown that you just can't predict. The crazy, like if somebody fumbles a punt or, you know, muffs a kickoff or something, you know, just crazy things. I like the Eagles to cover, but it seems like everyone does, and that scares me too. But the Patriots have not played a, they have not been in a blowout. No, nope. all their Super Bowls have been close. Now I don't know. You know better than me. Such a small sample what's, size. What's but the still. spread? Like, what's what have they? How have they fared against the spread? Do you know? Close to five hundred in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Close to five hundred. So who do you like in the big game, Dave? What's we've kind of dissected the game a little bit. What do you think? I like the Eagles really narrowly. I I, I like something in the 24, 21 or. 27 24 or maybe even a maybe a one point game maybe 24 23 I like the Eagles in a very tight game I I don't have great conviction on it you know every week during the regular season you get 16 games and some of them you feel really strongly yeah. about and maybe you want to play a couple coins on and this is not one I would want to have much stake in um, I, I, I may have may have suggested to a friend who likes to throw around money that I thought the Patriots were a good bet about week 13 at somewhere yeah. along the lines of two and a half yeah. or three to one. Uh, but right now, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a strong feel. I think obviously Patriots, and I'm going to go 31-28. Yeah, you like higher scoring than I do. You know, when you look at the games that they've played in, most of them have been higher scoring affairs. And I think some of that is because of the pace that the Patriots like to play at. If, and again, if they're scoring touchdowns and they're moving the ball, uh, it's going to force the Eagles to I'm, I'm going. Pace. I'm going to go officially 24-23 Eagles. Okay. And, and you are? And I'm 31-28. 31-28 counts. So as much as we break down the Super Bowl on the bearded card cast, one of us with a beard, yeah. one of us without a beard. Yes. I'm the one without the beard. What happened? Well, as I told you, uh, from day one, back going back to September when I started growing, this all bore out of, I just didn't feel like shaving at the end of the baseball Which season. Which is a great reason. Great reason. And now you just have this urge to shave. You just said to yourself, you know what I want to do every day? Shave. So, I don't know. It's This is really a bad analogy, but it's the best thing I can come up with. It's just like like when you're in college and you're... You can tell us your wife just likes you without a beard better. No. You know, you're in college and you just, you know, you, you just started dating somebody and it's going pretty well. And then, I don't know, maybe you go away for the weekend or you go home. And, like, on Friday, you're into the relationship. And on Monday, you just, eh, he's just, <laughs> just ready to move on. You're over it. Yeah, I think it was just one of those deals. I just, I, I woke up one morning, 
and uh, you were out of town, and uh, I was just like, you know what? I just I feel like today's the day. I got. I think I, I'm ready. I'm ready to shave. So I shaved it down. I shaved down to a uh, goatee, and then I went into Sam, and she gave the thumbs down. I, I didn't like it either. And then I did like the handlebar thing, like where it goes down, like the the the, the what's this guy doing? We almost got cut off by a lumber. And I always hate following uh, these the, the, the 18 wheelers that have lumber on the back of them. Like not lumber, but the actual the trees, the cut up trees. Yep. Because I'm always afraid if they stop short, one of those suckers is going to come down and just like... Yeah, and that's the end of the bearded carcass. that's the end of the bearded carcass. It would be the impaled carcass. <laughs> so, do, do we have to change the name of the bearded carcass? No, because I, I think you, you grandfathered in because the beard... When we named the bearded carcass, we were both with beards. So, when we post pictures of ourselves, do we have to touch up and, and paint a beard on you? No, you know what we have to do? We have to do like one of those like um, Snapchat filters. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It looks very natural. Very natural. <laughs> no, but and we talked about that because I said... I think it's more funny to do a bearded carcass know, without, without a beard. Yes. Yeah. I think that's true. And, it, and it's all about entertainment. And it's day, it, was, it was always day to day and it's day came. And you texted me immediately and were like, got rid of the beard, look 20 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unbelievably <laughs> ironic because my dad grew a beard when I was probably like three or four years yeah. old. And if you look at the pictures of him before the beard, yeah. he looks like a teenager. Yeah. And he's had a beard the rest right. of my life. Yeah. But he always told us at a certain point he was going to shave the yeah. beard to take years off <laughs> and just never has done it. But you know what's funny? I've gone back and I've looked at some of the pictures that we took in the fall and in the winter, like early winter. And I I really feel like the beard added five or six years to me. And I feel like... A more mature Mike. A more, more mature Mike. And then I feel like shaving, it took a few years off. So, I've, I, so it's like a swing of like 10 years. So now that you've taken the beard off... Do you like go to the bar and drink twenty high lives and like? <laughs> no, huh? No, but you know what's funny? It, it, the best shave of my life was when I shaved it. Wow! So you know, so I, I don't know for those of you that have done beards and for sponsorship opportunities. That's right. No, and and here's the other thing: I am willing to do it again. I, I may I may make it a fall tradition. Ah, because uh, I, I enjoyed having it. It was fun. I got good reaction, both positive and negative. But so that's that good positive negative that, mix for that no, good reaction. Mix, good mix. So I had uh, so I did the trimmer. I, I got this really nice trimmer during the middle of the beard, and so I trimmed it all the way as low as I could get it with the trimmer, and then I used the, the razor shave, and it was the oh, it was the smoothest my face has been in. Years. <laughs> it was great. I might just grow a beard just so I can shave and get that shave again. <laughs> that's what I do with Twitter followers. Yeah, you do. You like to shave Twitter followers. I like to shave Twitter followers. Yes, you do. Certain people, people that I particularly, like, get annoyed with. Yes. I get great gratification out of you enjoy dropping dumping them. People, I yeah. love dumping people off of Twitter. But sometimes I need a pick-me-up, so I have to follow that person to again <laughs> just so I can dump them again. <laughs> You're very liberal with the number of people you follow on Twitter. But that's you. You're a friendly yeah. guy. You're a gregarious yeah. guy. You're a people person. But I, most of my most of the people I follow on or most of the 
outfits I follow on Twitter are just that. They're they're not people. You know, they're like either news organizations or you know, like I follow. Trust me, there's some news organizations you could trim and feel yes, better about yes, life yes, too. Yes, there sure are. There sure are. Um, and I do have a soft spot for if people uh, follow me, I I tend to try and follow them back. If I if I yeah, because you you're a good I'm dude. I'm a good dude. Yeah, just a good guy. I like cutting people. I, I just that. I mean. It, you should join Facebook just to do that, just to make friends with people and then just cut them. Unfacebook them? Unfriend them? Unfriend them. them. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I get it out of my one social media, uh, out of Twitter. I, I, I but, enjoy it. And, and by the way, yeah. we don't buy followers. We do not buy followers. We have not. We, have we, not we, we, are, we are not Michael Simon from, yeah. from the Food Network. Yeah. We are not... Um, Lori Grenier from Shark Tank. Yeah. We, we are not all of these people that the New York Times exposed. I had somebody uh, approach me, not not a salesperson, but someone thought that I should do that. And I said, no, that's just, that's just not me. Like, I just think that's, it's just, uh, it just seemed very fraudulent. Not not fraudulent, it just seemed phony to me. Hey, we're organic. We we're organic. looking for organic growth. And that's why at Bearded Carcast, we have like 35 followers. <laughs> because we don't buy followers. No, we don't buy followers. But you're welcome to follow us at Bearded Carcast. We would love you to follow us, and we might even sweeten the deal. Like, we'll respond if you send us. Absolutely. Or, or maybe... And it, email us. E- at, at email bearded us. Oh, BeardedCarcast at Outlook.com. Mike, we got an email from a fan, a Winthrop alum, and what did we do? We bought him a beer, we him a and beer. we hung out with him. Yeah, it was fun. You can be a part of the Bearded Cardcast. Episode 9 of the Bearded Cardcast. Hard to believe we made it to 9. 9! Pretty good. We're, we're bordering up on double digits, and we want you to be a part of the show. Bearded Cardcast at Outlook.com. Send us an email or follow us on Twitter at Bearded Cardcast.